everyone. My name is Erin Hodson, and it's the 12th of July in 2013, and it's a time for another Soybean Pest Podcast. And finally, we've been waiting, waiting all summer for the infamous Matt O'Neill to join me. So welcome, Matt. Thank you, Erin. Hey, we're trying something different today. We're going to use a microphone. <laughs> Our podcasting is really going to come alive when we use a microphone this time. So we'll be passing back and forth. So Aaron's got a little, uh, you got a little agenda here for us to talk about. Um, you want to run through it and then maybe we'll go by item by item? Sure, sounds good. Um, in the past couple of podcasts, I talked about some recent soybean aphid activity in Iowa, and that has actually picked up a little bit. And what we know of the graduate students that have research at all the research farms uh, at Iowa State, they tell us they can pretty easily find aphids in some of their small plot research. And by that I mean, I mean, they're looking at hundreds of plants, and they can find aphids on anywhere from 5 to 15% of the plants. The numbers are very low, except occasionally they might find one or two plants that's just kind of fully loaded. And so... Um, we're just keeping our eye open for that. Uh, yes, Matt. Can I add something to that? So um, our suction trap network that runs uh, throughout the Midwest and collects the flying aphids found its first aphids last week. Um, this is probably not an indication that aphids have started, just started flying. It's more an indication that they are flying, if that makes any sense. And the um, and then the, the this was found in Michigan. Our colleague Chris Defonzo at Michigan State observed large populations in the fields around the suction trap. What, what I think is remarkable about this, and maybe you'll share more um, from what you've heard from other colleagues in the Midwest, is that for the last couple of years, around this time of year, we haven't seen a lot of activity. Um, now, whether this means we're going to see outbreaks later in the season, uh, don't know, but I think we want to be maybe a little bit more cautious this year uh, scouting to make sure that uh, we don't get caught um, unaware. Yeah, I think uh, those are all good points. And I, I should also mention that the majority of the plots that they're sampling have, they don't contain a seed treatment, so they're naked seeds. So I haven't really heard of any bulk fields, like farmer fields, that have a seed treatment that have any type of soybean aphid activity. So they're generally just in some of the research plots that, that don't contain a seed treatment for now. But you're right, I don't think it's typical to find soybean aphid before bloom in, in all these research farms um, in the past couple of years. So there is more activity this year than there has been the last couple of years. So we will definitely keep um, in touch with you guys. And if you're at all interested, we have a new field guide out there for soybean aphid for the north central region. And if you get in contact with me at 515-294-2847 or through my email, ewh at iastate.edu, I can get you a hard copy or a PDF copy that you c I could just send through email. So just let me know about that. Is it true that your phone number is five one five eat bugs? It's not true. It's not. True. Not true. That's too bad. You should get on that. Hey, Yvonne. Uh, next uh, topic here is Japanese beetles out now. So uh, uh, this is probably not news to anybody who you know has eyes and has been outside lately in central Iowa, but the Japanese beetles have really come on strong in the last couple of weeks. What's remarkable is this is uh, normal time of year uh, for Japanese beetles. Last year was so early. It was like in May that we've started seeing them. So been some questions um, 
why that is and if the, you know if we're going to see fewer Japanese beetles this year than last year. Well, last year it was so warm. It was historically, I think, the warmest spring, if not year, on record. And uh, the beetles emerged much earlier in warm conditions. This year we had a cool, wet uh, spring. And so that kind of back to normal in terms of the Japanese beetle development. What's interesting is I'm seeing a lot of diversity. And I think Donald Lewis had mentioned this earlier on the radio that you'll find neighborhoods or you know yards where large populations... Same thing true for some soybean fields, but then right next door, very few, if any. And that may be an indication that uh, populations won't be as big as they were last year, probably because of the drought that they had to survive, uh, and then the really wet soils, which could have prevented those that did survive from establishing on uh, roots in the spring and summer. One thing to be aware of, because we had such remarkably late plantings, um, there may be uh, greater defoliation than what we usually see because the plants are small. So uh, Japanese beetles don't typically eat a lot of soybean foliage, but on a smaller plant they're probably eating you know, more per area than usual. And then the other thing is despite the seed treatments, um, seed treatments don't affect, the neonicotinoids don't have an effect on the Japanese beetle. In fact, we've seen more at times on treated seed than untreated seed. Yeah, and I just I have a note about just some other miscellaneous insects that you might be seeing while scouting in soybean. Um, we've seen uh, just a variety of stink bugs, including a couple different brown stink bugs, feeding in soybean. Generally, wouldn't be of economic concern until you have pod formation. And then I've also heard recently uh, about the celery leaf tire caterpillar. The last time we really had any significant numbers of this was in 2010. So there are defoliators simil- similar to clover. Uh, Green clover worm? <laughs> Green, Green clover worm. I was going <laughs> to I had the four-leaf clover in mind. Yeah, the clover. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, and then also some reports of the colaspis beetle. So they all could be defoliating um, soybean right now. Weird stuff. Some Some different stuff out there, yeah. Anything else we want to talk about? Um, those are those are really the highlights for activity the last two weeks. So this summer has been um, weird in the sense that things have been planted very late, uh, but the temperatures have been kind of normal to nice-ish. Um, a couple things to compare this summer to last summer. Probably not going to see the uh, spider mite issues that we had last year. That we're not having the dry, hot conditions, so. Spider mite outbreaks are probably unlikely, which is a huge relief because those are a pain to deal with. Uh, but uh, as far as other insects, well, Japanese beetles probably going to be spotty. I think Donald Lewis had said that only 61 counties out of the 99 counties in Iowa have them, so not a you know a widespread pest. Uh, and then soybean aphids, I think we're just on the lookout for. Uh, probably want to keep an eye out, maybe more vigilant than. We have in the last couple of years. Last year it was a total bust. It was so hot and dry that they didn't deal well. Um, and then later this summer, I think what we'll probably want to do with the podcast is maybe talk about some of the issues that came up this spring with um, the, the issues regarding bee declines and how that might affect our agriculture in this part of the world. And related to that is the restriction uh, on neonicotinoid use in the European Union and the review of those insecticides by um, the EPA in the next year or two. 
So maybe uh, something to look forward to in the next couple of podcasts. We'll talk more about that in detail. You want to wrap up? Anything else? I think it was a a good wrap up, a good synopsis of the activity in the last two weeks. Sweet. Yeah, I think so too. So uh, we got some stuff to look forward to in the next coming uh, weeks, and we'll continue to do this on a weekly basis. Great. Sounds Thanks. good. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.